you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Tapeheads is a production of iHeartMedia and the NFL. Welcome to Tapeheads Draft Season. Bob Shusen, longtime radio voice of the New York Jets and a happy guy today. <laughs> Alongside Greg Cosell, the the longest tenured film breaker downer at NFL Films. He's been breaking down the All-22 for the better part of four decades plus. And Greg, we finally, after doing this podcast for about two months leading up to the draft, speculating, breaking players down, talking about the tape, digging inside how teams put together their boards. Last night, we got the proof. Last night, we saw the product. We finally have an actual draft to talk about. And to me, there were two themes. And we'll take them one at a time. I'll hit you with these. And I think because you have always said that the NFL draft is kind of a dichotomy. There's a draft for all the other players. And there's a draft for the quarterbacks. And I think the headline last night at the top of the draft was none of the quarterbacks were reached for. And to me, that's where I think I think it's interesting to start, right? We kept talking about Malik Willis and where would Kenny Pickett go? Right. And at the end of the first round, would someone reach for maybe a Sam Howell or a Desmond Ritter? You know, there were Matt Corral. And this is the first draft I can remember. You might have one off the top of your head. I can't remember another. Where at the end of the first round, I sat back and said, there's not one quarterback that went higher than where I thought he would go. And there were several quarterbacks that I can't believe didn't go. That never happens. Right. So what does that tell you about how the NFL views this particular quarterback class? They maybe played a game of chicken and nobody bought because Kenny Pickett, probably the most accomplished, polished quarterback prospect of this draft, I think went right where we thought he probably should go to the Steelers in the 20s. And nobody else went. How surprised were you at that? Well, you know, Bob, I think there's a different way to look at it, too, now that you've said that. And and just so people know, I didn't know you were going to ask me this question. So I'm hearing well, your question. Well, that was the whole point. I yeah. was trying to throw you a curveball and see how you reacted. But if you think about the draft, okay, you think about def the defensive players that were chosen and the offensive players that were chosen. Even though they were 
there were no quarterbacks taken until Kenny Pickett at 20. What's the focus there? What are teams trying to do? They're trying to rush the quarterback, correct? Always. And they need to protect the quarterback. So even though there was not a quarterback who was available that was viewed as that guy, it still involves playing the pass game. It still involves executing a pass game and defending a pass game. So the pass game is still clearly the number one priority in the NFL, even though the quarterback position was not viewed as the position. So, uh, you know, that's kind of the way, again, hearing your question, I'm thinking about the offensive linemen, three going in the first nine picks. I'm thinking about the pass rushers. I'm thinking about the corners, uh, Stingley and Gardner going three and four. Um, So it's still ultimately about the pass game in the NFL. That's the way the teams view the league right now. See, the reason I have enjoyed this podcast so much is because we've almost had a mind meld doing this podcast, right? Like you and I think, seriously, you got, and I think exactly the same way. This is, I'll read you verbatim a tweet that I put out last night at 945. Just random thoughts. I'm sorry. There you go. No, it's good. Just random thoughts as I was watching the draft that just occupy my time. And once in a while I would share a thought. 945 last night. Right about the time I think that Jordan Davis went with the 13th pick to the Eagles. All right. This was my tweet. There may not have been any quarterbacks taken yet, but make no mistake, this draft is still about quarterbacks. The top 12 picks are all guys who either rush the quarterback, protect the quarterback, catch balls from the quarterback, or cover the the guys that the quarterback throws to. Your rush offense, your rush defense, not a big priority in 2022, right? Like Jordan Davis was, and we expected him to be, He was the first player off the board where you would say there's a run stuffer. Now, he obviously will play a part in the pass game. Interior pass rush is a thing. But the number one box that was checked for the top 12 guys in this draft, every one of them, none of them quarterbacks, but every one of them was their impact on the pass game, either positively or negatively for your offense or your defense, right? It's either a guy that's going to go catch the ball, a guy that's going to cover the guy catching the ball, a guy that's going to block for the guy throwing the ball, or a guy that's going to rush the guy throwing the ball and trying to tackle him. So it it is a very, very odd, as we said, dichotomy in this draft where no one wanted to reach up higher than we probably thought that the player was worth it to get a quarterback. But at the same time, everyone drafts with the quarterback in mind. How are we going to protect him? Who are we going to rush after him? Who are we going to give him to throw to? What guys are going to we want to go cover the guys he's going to want to throw to? It is so much a passing league, and we saw that in the top 12 picks last night. And and you and I both know this, okay? And I hope this doesn't happen, but let's just be realistic, okay? If Sam Darnold with the Panthers, who as we speak today is their starting quarterback— If Drew Locke for the Seahawks, who I assume as we speak today would be their starting quarterback, if all of a sudden after three, four, five games of the regular season, both those quarterbacks are playing very poorly, you know what you're going to hear from their fan bases in the national media? They should have taken quarterbacks. You know how it works. So I'm not saying they should or shouldn't have. They had their board set. I don't question teams' boards, and I'll tell you why, Bob, because I know what I do, okay? 
I watch tape probably 15 hours a day, you know, college players since mid-January. So, you know, I evaluate players. Teams do the same thing with far more people than me. I'm, I'm a one-person scouting service. So I don't say teams do a good or a bad job. They do a job. They do the job the way see fit. Reasonable people can disagree about players. I have no problem with that whatsoever. I've been wrong like everybody's been wrong. That's just sure. the nature of the business. But obviously, Carolina and Seattle felt that there was not a quarterback worth taking at six or nine, or they had a need that superseded a quarterback in this particular draft. And the only way we're going to find out is when we start playing football. Um, Charles Cross will be the left tackle for Seattle. Um, Carolina at six took Aquanu. So um, Aquanu will, um, he'll step right in uh, and be their left tackle, I am sure. So these two teams addressed their left tackle position. And, it, you know, ideally, there are two quarterbacks, Darnold and Locke, Geno Smith, whoever Seattle decides to go with, I would assume Locke, um, can function because in the minds of those teams, they'll run the ball with McCaffrey and Rashad Penny, and they'll have uh, a quarterback that in their mind is just an executor of an offense. Uh, although we all know that the league doesn't work like that. Your quarterback is going to have to make throws sooner or later in this league. Right. Well, you know, it's also funny. I got into it back and forth with some Jets fans earlier yesterday. No, you, when I not, said, not you. I know, no. not me, right? Not you. And I said that there was at least a chance that if Aquanu was there at four, the Jets would think about taking him. Right. And Jet fans were like, well, if they do that, that's a terrible sign for Makai Becton. That means they're giving up on Makai Becton. Right. That means that they think they made a mistake last year. And I said, well, two things. A, I mean, George Fant right now would be their starting right tackle. Right. And he's a free agent after this year. I think they would like to resign him. Right. And certainly with what they did last night, it tells you they want to resign him. But if they took Aquanu, like the last time I checked in the NFL, you need two of them. Right. Somebody plays right tackle. Somebody plays left tackle. And I do believe that they're both, you know, with the way that teams now run offenses, maybe not, you know, 50-50, but 55-45 in terms of importance. Like your right tackle better be able to protect the quarterback nearly as well as your left tackle can. I personally believe, not to interrupt you, that there is no delineation anymore between the two positions. The only delineation is that the left tackle protects the blind side. But in terms of traits needed to play right tackle and left tackle, Bob, this is not 25 years ago where right. teams lined up and base personnel and the tight end was always on the right side of the formation and the right tackle could theoretically be less of an athlete. Just look at the players that you have to protect against who come from the left side of the defense and also think about what teams do now defensively with all their pressure schemes. Your right tackle better be a really good pass protector. He cannot just be a big road grader. And that makes my point for me, and you're backing up the point that I was making to Jets fans, if they took a Quanu, still having a guy like Makai Becton on their roster, look what the Giants did at seven. Yep. I mean, two years ago, they took Andrew Thomas in the top four. Yes. And what did they do last night at seven? They took another one. They took Evan Neal, who will now probably project to play right tackle. 
So they're going to have two top seven picks as their two bookend tackles to try and find out whether or not their quarterback is the right guy. And they are going to give him as much protection as possible so that at the end of the day, they need to know whether or not Daniel Jones can do this and give him the time to show whether or not he can do this. And Neil did play right tackle in 2020 for Alabama when Leatherwood was the left tackle. And as most people probably know, the Giants at this moment did not pick up Daniel Jones's option. But let's say we go into week seven or eight and the giant offense is humming and everything is good, then they'll they'll revisit that with Daniel Jones. You know, they they certainly have time to do that. Um, but you're right. I mean, all last night's draft was still all about the passing game. It just was not about the specific position of quarterback. All right. We spent the first 10 minutes or so here, 12 minutes, whatever, looking kind of wide angle lens at philosophically how teams approach the first round. The quarterbacks were not reached for but yet everyone was drafting with the quarterback in mind. When we come back, I want to get to a couple of specific teams and what they did. And I'm sure you probably know what team I'm going to ask you about first because, you know, my team in green and white, they will end up starting next year with three first-round draft choices on the field, all at potentially impact game-changing position without question they were they were a big story last night bob not just because it's your team they were a big story and they can make plays to win you a game yeah so i definitely want to get your take on that and dive into some other teams and how they approach the first round and then a little bit later on before we wrap this episode up because we've got the rest of the draft still to look forward to if folks are listening to this today in anticipation of what's happening tonight and going into tomorrow i want to talk about the best players that are still out there right because we did say uh a couple of episodes ago that we did we dig so deeply into the first round it's almost like the fans of the media think the draft's over after the first round i know for so yeah that's true right? yeah. there's so many good football players yeah. still out there that teams will be grabbing tonight and there always are there always, always are. are they're just not the marquee names yep so i want to get some of those names yep. from you as well so we still have a lot to do when we come back here on tapeheads draft season you go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. 
Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because they ain't it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are back on Tapehead's draft season. Bob Wachusen, longtime ESPN college football play-by-play man, but also once in a while I dabble in Sunday afternoon play-by-play with the New York Jets. And I'm here with Greg Cosell, as always, on Tapehead's draft season to dig inside the draft behind the war room, behind how the boards are put together, and hopefully give you a deep dive into the NFL draft and philosophically how teams approach it. And now we actually have a draft to talk about, the first round in the books. And Greg, my teammate headlines, you know, they yeah. they set off a couple of flares last night that they were real about trying to get game-changing players. And look, Joe Douglas traded Sam Darnold, traded Jamal Adams. Those were wide-angle lens, down-the-road, for the future type moves. Well, the future has arrived, right? And like now, now you have to hit on the picks. Do you think they hit on the picks? Because a couple of the guys that we're going to be talking about now are guys, including Elijah Vera Tucker last year, that are the fruit of the tree of the trades that he made. Well, Bob, the only way I can do that, I'm not one of those people that thinks, oh, they should have done this here. They could have gotten this guy there. I just respond to what teams do, and all I can do is tell you what my evaluation of the players are. That's all I can do. And I really think that the three players that they drafted, Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, and Jermaine Johnson, I had them evaluated as really, really high-level prospects. So to me, before they even, of course, step on the field, an NFL field, I think the Jets did extremely well based on my evaluation of the players. Sauce Gardner will step right in and be a starting cornerback for them, and they needed corners. I don't know what they think about uh, Hall at, at corner. He's a long, relatively athletic corner. I don't think he played poorly last year. You're probably a little closer to that situation than I am, but I think you can line him up as an outside corner opposite Sauce Gardner. And then you have a lot of length on the outside, which teams like. Um, you know, obviously, uh, they drafted Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson, to me, was one of the top three receivers in this draft class. I made the comparison, which I think is is valid, to Stephon Diggs. I think he can become that kind of player, a high-level receiver with inside-outside flexibility and a vertical dimension. Um, and then, of course, Jermaine Johnson. We had spoken about him a number of times in earlier versions of Tape Heads. And I would have said Johnson, even though I don't do a board and make a list, I would have said Johnson was one of my six or seven best prospects in this draft. I can't speak to why he was still there when the Jets traded up for him. I don't know the answer to that, and I'll probably never know the answer to that. But I felt, based on his tape, based on what I thought his tape showed that he could become with coaching and further development, I thought Jermaine Johnson was one of the six or seven best prospects in this draft class. So to me, based on my evaluations of the three players the Jets took in the first round, I thought they did exceptionally well. Yeah, and I'm wondering, again, we try and take the conversation inside the war room. And we'll get to Johnson in a moment because I think he became the player they traded up for to get towards the end of the first round because where they obviously had him on their board – he had dropped far enough yep. 
that they trusted their own evaluation and said, you know what, we are just now compelled to go get this player. Right. Right? Like, he's in the 20s. We think he's a top 10, top 12 player. This is absolutely now worth one of those premium second-round picks that we have to move up, you know, the, the dozen or so spots from the second round back into the first round and go get him. That aside, and we'll talk about him in a moment, People were debating whether or not Sauce Gardner, Ikki Aquanu, whether or not Garrett Wilson, or should they get an edge? And I think, again, this is the conversation that happens inside that room. And it's a conversation that happens all the way up through the draft process. I think the Jets are saying to themselves, we could draft a franchise tackle in Aquanu, or we could take the cover corner in Sauce Gardner at four. What do we have on our roster? We have Mekhi Becton. Yes, he is injury prone. Yes, we have questions about him. But his ceiling is such that if he comes back healthy and we keep coaching him, he can be a franchise left tackle. We don't have a franchise corner, right? Like the sign DJ Reed in free agency, he's a really good player. I don't think anybody's going to say he is, you know, a shutdown number one, no doubt about it, franchise cornerback. No, and he's probably better in the slot. There you go. So, so now we're going to check a box for something on our roster we don't have, right? Like, let's... We have a guy we drafted two years ago that we think can be, if we keep him healthy, a franchise left tackle. And by taking Sauce Gardner, to me, that is an endorsement of the future that they still believe Mekhi Becton has. And then they go to 10. There were still edge players, including Jermaine Johnson, on the board. But they have Carl Lawson. Now, if Carl Lawson comes back from his Achilles, bang, you have a pass rusher. You may be, You certainly want more and they went and traded up for Jermaine Johnson, but do they have a no-doubt-about-it franchise number one outside receiver? No, they do not. Elijah Moore, really good, versatile player, I think could be a star in the league. Yeah, I like him a lot. You know, Corey Davis is, you know, he's a really good player, but do they have that difference maker at the outside as the number one true wide receiver? So I think that's the way they approached it. They approached it from the standpoint of, we already have a guy on the roster at left tackle and pass rusher that could conceivably at both of those positions be that guy. We may not have that player at wide receiver and corner. And I think that's the conversation, right, that happens in the yeah. war room and, and heading up towards the draft. What do we have and what can we what can we turn what we have into as opposed to what we don't have on the roster and we have to go get? You know, it, it reminds me of the conversation we had a number of weeks ago with Mike Tannenbaum and the musts and the needs. Because ultimately, if you don't have corners in this league, you can have a lot of other things on your team. But if you cannot prevent explosive plays by the opposing offense, it's very, very difficult to compete in this league. Um, so basically, you know, you can the thing you can do is you can scheme pressure. You know, you, obviously they did trade up for Johnson, who obviously I like, as I've said. But as you and I both know, coaches and Robert Sala is a very good defensive coach. You can scheme pressure, but at some point you can't hide bad corner play, and you ultimately need corners in this league. And they really didn't have them. As I said, I think I think at this point they're probably comfortable with Hall. Um, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. As I said, you might know more, but Sauce Gardner is clearly a number one type corner. And um, just listening last night, I, I've obviously never seen him in person, but I was watching the NFL Network 
And they were talking about when they first saw him in person and just what he looks like, that his arms are incredibly long, that he's got tremendous length to him just when you see him in person, you know, in a suit. Um, so I think that Sauce Gardner, to me, um, I know that there's a, probably a big debate in, in rooms about Stingley versus Gardner. I liked Gardner just a touch more. So I thought the Jets did extremely well. All right, let me get to some of the uh, of the other teams that I thought made really interesting moves. And when you get into that range of 11, it's like yep. 10, 11, 12, 13, where teams like the Saints, the Lions made a big move up to go and get a receiver with an ACL and Jamison Williams, right? Jordan Davis lasted all the way to 13. What teams surprised you with maybe what they did, maybe the aggression that they showed? The minute that we found out that the Lions were making that big move up to 12, everyone assumed it was for a quarterback. And all of a sudden, they go get a wide receiver. So what did that tell you? Well, I think it tells you um, the value of explosive plays, which is all I heard when I was at right. the scouting combine, Bob, is explosive plays, explosive plays. That's all coaches talked about offensively. And Jamison Williams, when healthy, and he will be, is just a game-changing player. And he's not just a vertical dimension. That's the thing. Yes, he's the best vertical dimension in this draft, but he is more than that. There's some nuance, some subtlety to the way in which he runs routes. All Alabama receivers, because they're obviously very well coached there, they all have that. So they basically said, hey, we need explosive plays in our offense. You can't compete in the NFL without it these days. You're not going to grind out 12, 13 play drives. The league doesn't work like that anymore. And we don't have that guy. And this guy is as special as it gets in that regard. So was it surprising? Yes. But I think when you think about the NFL, not about the draft, Bob. See, that's the other factor, which we've tried to talk about, is that it's different talking about platitudes leading up to the draft where everybody has an opinion and then the games themselves when they're played. Right. And if you can't stretch the field at all, your offense really has a problem. Plus, that you know what your quarterback is. Jared Goff is not a bad player. For some reason, people don't like him. No one's suggesting he's a top five quarterback. But if you give him an O-line and they've got, I believe, three number one picks on their O-line, if I'm not mistaken, um, I know they have two for sure, um, and uh, they obviously have drafted running backs because they have Swift, who they drafted, um, and now you get receivers, and, and Hawkinson, I think they just re-upped or signed his tender, whatever that, however that works. Yep. They actually now are a team that has a lot of weapons, and Goff is just an executor. So if you can protect him and you can allow him to be an executor of an offense, he can actually function fine. He did that. He got to a Super Bowl doing that, Bob. People seem to forget that. And for the Jets, real quickly, back to the move that they made outside of the Lions, probably the most aggressive move back into the first round to get Jermaine Johnson. Obviously, they had him where you had him rated, right? Like way up towards yep. the top of the first round. That's why they made the aggressive move to go get him. My only caution to Jet fans in terms of pumping the brakes on a player that the mock drafts all had as a top 10, top 12 player, and you got a 26, and now it seems like the steal of the century is 25 teams, including your team, twice passed on him. So obviously the league didn't think that he was a top 10 player. Why do you think the league maybe didn't think that he was a top 10 player where you and the Jets both obviously did? I would love to have a brilliant answer to that, and I don't, only because I did. I mean, I saw him that way based on tape study. So I... I don't know why um, 
Could it just be the small sample size that he just kind of had that one signature year? Is that it's some people might say, hey, you know, he he was kind of a uh not a backup player at Georgia the year before, because actually his Georgia tape from 2020 was very good. Um that's an impossible question. I, like I said, I wish I had yep. a great answer. I don't because I can only speak to my evaluation of the player. Um, and I'm trying to think through the draft. Other than Jordan Davis, okay, a defensive lineman, but not certainly not an edge player, after those early guys went that are considered edge players, I don't believe another edge player went until Johnson, correct? Am I missing someone? No. Uh, basically, yeah, we – it. It was a mixture of – it was a lot of wide receivers, yep. obviously. Like, between pick eight and pick, like, 16, six wide receivers went. And then a couple of corners and Trent McDuffie and Kyer Elam. Yep. Uh, basically, if you were either a corner – an offensive lineman or someone that played defense for Georgia. That was basically like the whole second half of the right, draft. Right, right. So I guess my, my point is, is it's possible teams did have him rated more highly, but felt that they had other needs that were more pressing and they're still really good players. In other words, let's just take the bills for instance. And I don't know. And I, I, I'm not speaking with any inside knowledge. Let's say the bills had Jermaine Johnson rated as their 10th best player in the draft. Right. But the bills don't have a corner opposite Tredavious white. Right. So, you know, they might love Jermaine Johnson, but they got to line up at corner or they're going to have a problem. Right. So then they they make the trade up to 22 because they saw the Chiefs take McDuffie at 21. Then they said, oh, boy, we're not going to get a corner in this draft that we really feel good about. So we have to make this move. So we don't that that's why we don't know exactly how teams had Johnson uh, evaluated. And one last quick question before we take a break and then come back and spin it forward and talk about who's still out there and the teams that could still really improve themselves on day two and day three. Anything else that surprised you from this first round? I thought this first round, like I don't remember as I'm watching it, outside of the big move that the Lions made, the move the Jets made to get Jermaine Johnson, I don't know that there was another pick that jumped out at me to say, wow, like that guy seems out of place. That's a real reach in the first round because right. the quarterbacks didn't go. So no one really reached. Well, I'll give you three things real quick. Yeah. Number one, I thought where Chris Olave went is perfect because okay. if Michael Thomas is healthy, he's the alpha dog. He's the boundary X. He can do all the dirty work. We, we know we, what we've seen from him over the years. Obviously, he missed last year. And I think that's a perfect place for Olave, who to me is your absolutely perfect complement. I thought what the Eagles did with Jordan Davis is fascinating because ultimately Davis is the one player as we speak today that does not fit the mold of being a pass game player. Now, they may see him that way down the road, and I'm sure they do, which is why they made the pick. I would think they'd want him to lose some weight. I would think they'd want to work with him. Um, he's obviously a phenomenal athlete in terms of the way he can move, um, but you don't draft a player at what they did to play 15 or 20 snaps a game in your run defense. So they clearly see him as more than that. We, they could well be right. And the one final point, I love what the Ravens did because they signed Marcus Hamilton in the off season at safety. And then they drafted Kyle Hamilton. And you know what? Safety is an extremely important position now in the NFL, contrary to what some others might believe. And now they're going to line up with Kyle Hamilton and Marcus Williams at safety. And boy, does that give you a lot of versatility in your safety position. Yeah, very interesting. They may have to have that heart-to-heart -heart with Lamar Jackson because if you followed his Twitter feed last night, 
during the draft. He apparently did not know they were going to trade Hollywood Brown and was not a big fan of the Kyle Hamilton pick based on, you know, all of the little like angry faces he's tweeting while his own team is out right, there right, right. making well, draft picks. But that's the world we live in uh, now yeah, with today's player. That's the way of the world yeah, now. They, that's it. They've yeah. got a highway to let their own feelings out there right, right, instantaneously right. before you could get them to stop from hitting send. So, all right, when we come back, Final segment of this episode, we're going to spin it forward. Uh, I would like to get from Greg Cosell some gems that are still out there. Obviously, there are a ton because we've only had 32 players taken so far. So we will still talk about what is to come in the NFL draft when we come back on Tape Ed's draft season. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all. But I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of it. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are back on Tapehead's draft season. Bob Shoes and Greg Cosell breaking down the first round, but also, as we have done, you know, kind of a wide-angle lens look at the first round, now spinning it forward to the second round. And, Greg, there are including the quarterbacks, a lot of players still on the board that if you checked out all the mock drafts leading up to the draft, folks thought might go in the first round. And you still have, like, the Texans picking fifth in the second round. Right. Uh, The Seahawks pick back-to-back eighth and ninth. The Falcons pick 11th. Those were teams that were on our radar that had picks in the first round where you thought they might spend one on a quarterback and didn't. Kenny Pickett was the only player that went to the Steelers of the first round at the premier position in the sport. So what are you expecting before we move on to the other positions, specifically with Malik Willis, you know, Matt Corral, the rest of this quarterback class, do you anticipate and would you be surprised if we didn't see those guys start to come off the board to some of those quarterback needy teams now that maybe even they're surprised these guys are still there in round two? 
Well, now you get into, I think, how teams feel, truly feel about themselves. Look, every team is going to tell you we're competing for a Super Bowl. We know that, Bob. That's, that's, you know, you have to say that. But, but, you know, these coaches and these personnel people, they've been doing this a long time. They really know. So maybe teams, like, I would not surprise me to see Atlanta take a quarterback. I don't know which one that Arthur Smith would like if he was there. Um, but I think you might see them take a quarterback. Um, I, I don't know about Seattle. I would bet that Pete Carroll thinks they can compete. So I'm not sure that he would do that. I think he might want to take a player that he believes can help them today. But as I look at the list of some players that, I, again, I'm speaking now of players that I evaluated well. I really like Arnold Ebiketti from Penn State. He's a pass-rushing DN slash outside linebacker. Um, he's still available. And I think because uh, he's a pass rusher, it would not surprise me to see him go early. Um, Kyler Gordon, the corner opposite Trent McDuffie at the University of Washington, another player that I think has a lot of value in today's NFL because he played outside and he played in the slot at the University of Washington. And he can play press man. He can play zone. He's a very athletic kid. I think he's a player you could see come off the board early. The question is the run on wide receivers. Will that continue? And who's next? Um, last night you heard about Sky Moore from Western Michigan, Christian Watson from North Dakota State. I know for a fact that the reason George Pickens, who to me, based on film, is arguably the best receiver in this draft. Obviously, he was not drafted that way last night. Um, but I know for a fact some teams had him number one on the board based on his play on the field. I have heard that there are concerns about him in other areas, which I'm sure is the reason he is dropped. But he's certainly available. Um, if you're still looking for defensive linemen, I think Logan Hall from the University of Houston who I think is a three technique, but has the versatility to line up anywhere along your defensive front and sub fronts. I really liked his tape a lot. In fact, I liked his tape more than Devontae Wyatt, who went to the Packers late in the first round. So those are just some names that immediately come to my mind. If you have some others, I'll be, you know, we can throw those out as well. Well, based on last night's first round, you would have thought that everyone that could possibly be drafted off the Georgia defense had been drafted, but N'Kobe Dean is still out there. Yes. Right. And he, he plays that kind of, you know, non kind of quote unquote premier position. He's not an edge rusher. He's not a corner. He's a linebacker, but man, he is a sideline to sideline difference maker. He's going to have a long NFL career. Someone's going to get him in the second round. I would think high. So he is certainly a name that I would keep my eye on. Um, and David Ajabo. I think yes. is a really interesting player because he is in that, and John Mechie is still on the board wide receiver, right? They are kind of that second-tier Jamison Williams type where really bad injury but super, super talented player. I would think both of those guys have a chance to go in the second round if the run on wide receivers continues or if someone looks at a job and says, you know what, let's rehab him for a year. He's going to be an edge rusher for us for a long time to come. Yeah, and John Mechie's a player I really liked. I, I watched his tape last summer from 2020, and then, of course, watched him this year from 2021. Um, he would not be viewed as explosive, which is why I think he would drop anyway. I don't know if he would ever have been a first-round pick, uh, even without the knee injury, but he's another route technician. 
I've made the comparison to Robert Woods, who I believe was a second round pick when he came out of USC. Um, and I think Mechie is going to be a very good player. He's just not that explosive uh, receiver, although he can get vertical, but he's not just fast by nature. Um, so John Mechie is, a, is another player that's there. Um, then you start getting into... Uh, I'll give you an example. I think Trey McBride, the tight end from Colorado State, is going to go in round two. I could well be wrong, but I think when people really study his tape, while he's not quite a Travis Kelsey or a Darren Waller, I think in this era of tight ends lining up all over your formation, not just being attached players, but being detached from the formation, Trey McBride did all that at Colorado State, even lining up as the single receiver to the boundary, the boundary X, and making difficult catches, running routes against safeties and corners. It would not surprise me to see a team grab Trey McBride because he can do that for you. All right, and a couple other guys that I think are really interesting because, I mean, what are we doing right now? We're still talking about the pass game. We're talking yep. about edge rushers. We're talking about quarterbacks. We're talking about receivers. We're talking about tight ends that can stretch the field and go catch the ball. We're talking about everyone that impacts the pass game. But when will we finally see the glamour position when we were growing up running back? Ah, yes. right? like when I think back to the 80s, my, the first guys that come to mind for some of the stars that I grew up watching Earl Campbell, Tony Dorsett, Walter Payton, right? I mean, like the, we we grew up in the era where the running back was arguably the most important player outside of the quarterback on your team. And now we could well get into the second round, maybe middle, late of the second round before a Brees Hall or a, a Kenneth Walker gets their name called. And maybe those guys primarily will have their name called because teams feel like, hey, those guys are really versatile. They can go catch the ball in our passing game. That's probably just the continued evolution of that position. When am I going to hear a running back or two come off the board? You know, and and again, just hearing you say that, um, I'll be very curious to know which running backs come off early because you mentioned Kenneth Walker. I think Kenneth Walker right now, and obviously I was not at his pro day, so I don't know how he caught the ball. He was not asked to do that during the games that I watched uh, for Michigan State. So I don't know how he catches the ball. Maybe he catches it well. But if you don't see him that way, then you're basically drafting him to be your feature back. And I'll be very curious to see what teams draft a runner and what kind of player they draft at running back. Because you you have a James Cook from uh, Georgia. You have a Rashad White from Arizona State. They are really good receivers as well. And it's very possible a team could say, you know what? We're not going to run our offense through our running back. These guys are good enough runners that if we gave them the ball 12, 13 times a game, we're fine. But they're really, really good receivers, and they can really help us create matchups, create explosive plays, not only for them, but for our wide receivers. So I'm curious how the running backs shake out once they start to come off the board. One final question. Any team that jumps out at you in terms of the second round that's got the real estate, I mean, looking at the pick order of the second round, it's different than the first round. The Bucks I know, have multiple picks. They pick first to lead off the second round, then they have a late second round pick. Uh, based on trades, the Seahawks have the eighth and ninth pick back-to-back. -back. 
in the second round, but it seems like it's a much more even disbursement. Bears yeah. have a couple of picks. Uh, the Packers pick like 21st and 27th, it looks like. So there are some teams that have multiple second round picks, but it's not that top heavy. You know, the Jets are picking twice. The Giants are picking twice in the top seven. So is there a team that you have your eye on in the second round that you think could really help themselves? Well, the one team, and I think I mentioned it a moment ago, was Seattle, because yep. I think what they do, given that they have, did you say the eighth and the ninth pick in the second round? I believe you they have did. the eighth and the ninth picks of the second round back to back. Yeah, I think that will tell you a lot about how they see themselves. Don't forget, they're in a really tough division. So I think that that will tell you how Pete Carroll and John Schneider see the 2022 version of the Seahawks. Because my guess is Pete Carroll, given his age, is not really interested in rebuilding or retooling. Well, retooling is a different word, but he's not interested in rebuilding and taking a year to see what he has. That would be my sense, Bob. Um, I think that they're going to draft players that they believe can step in and be contributors and important pieces this year, which is why I'd be surprised, but I could be wrong, obviously. I'd be surprised if they took a quarterback. I think with the eighth and ninth picks in the second round, they're going to draft players that they believe can line up tomorrow and help them. That's Greg Cosell. I'm Bob Wischusen. Last night was the headline-making night, and it's a fun night. It's the first round. But if you're like us, the real football nerds, right, if you've listened to this podcast and you've heard Greg take you all the way back from basically, you know, the beginning of February or mid-February, whatever it was we started recording these episodes, all the way now up through the actual draft itself, and he has uncovered all of these guys that you're going to eventually hear their names called – now it gets good, right? Now the football nerd now gets to dig in and watch day two and day three and hear all of those names and have a good feel of really did your team go out with those picks that make the difference, compile the meat of your roster and help themselves. And when we come back on Monday, we will have another episode of Tapehead's Draft Season where we will dig deeper into what happened the rest of the draft. So hopefully you will join us then. Please rate Please subscribe. Enjoy the rest of the draft, and we will talk to you after the weekend is over and get Greg Cosell's entire take on how everyone did and the teams that really impressed him when we come back early next week and drop our next episode of Tapehead's Draft Season. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, 
Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.